What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is a very special one. I am joined by my friend Chuck, none other than Charles Tuggle, to chat Blazers. Those of you who know will remember Chuck from a previous podcast iteration, but those of you who don't know, meet Chuck. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I think those uninitiated to this friend Chuck only need to know that I am your friend as as aptly described and a Trailblazers fan. So I'm doing well. Although and a basketball uh, dork. Yeah, yeah. Basketball dork, NBA junkie. Uh, not as high as I could be considering the Blazers kind of just got spanked a little bit on a uh, on the second game of a two game series with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think when we were texting earlier today to set this up, we we maybe assumed the Blazers were going to be four and two, but they're three and three after Steph Curry dropped sixty two on them in a um, virtuoso type performance. Like he wasn't the only reason the Blazers lost, but he was the reason the Blazers lost for sure. Yeah, yeah. Excellent performance. Uh, and yeah, Blazers fan on a Blazers podcast. It might sound like blasphemy, but a joy and privilege to watch Steph Curry cook a little bit. Uh, the NBA has missed him, I think. Uh, definitely the, the the neutral fan in any situation has missed him. Um, and yeah, he was he was lights out. And I think he's kind of had a slower start to the season. He has. He he's was shooting not, like 30% from three. Yeah, he's not been playing ball in a little while. Uh, but no, he looks to be uh, back to, uh, I don't know, his, his good old self tonight. He was uh, uh, lights out, insane, beautiful player, beautiful performance, unstoppable. Yeah, um, he uh, spoiled little Blazers' uh, trip to San Francisco. The um, Those two game sets, the Blazers, you know, won Friday night and then stayed in San Francisco to play them again on Sunday. I think that, I'm not sure they're all going to be blowouts, but I think it is hard to beat a team twice, particularly after you just whoop their ass on Friday night. So uh, I wonder if when we see more of those throughout the season or, or even not just with the Blazers, but across the NBA, if we'll see many teams sweep those two game sets, I think those are, uh, I think those are challenging. Yeah. I heard a stat. I can't remember which broadcast I was watching, but I think there's in two game series in this season across the league, there has been four sweeps and the road team has swept every one. Interesting. Uh, so the home team has yet to sort of win two games in a two-game uh, home stand. I don't know what that means, but that that's a bit curious. Yeah, it is. That is. It's it's proof that home court advantage doesn't exist this year. Um, let's. I just we got a we got a fun show. I haven't recorded in a while because of the holiday, so we have some news to touch on. We're going to talk about Zach Collins in the second segment. Talk a little bit about Nazir Little to end the show. But here in the first segment, other than just catching up with my friend Chuck and introducing new listeners to a wonderful character from the Micaverse or something like that, <laughs> uh, I Charles, I just want your thoughts. You know, three games in, just broadly speaking, what to make of this Blazers team? Like, what do you what's going on with this group? I think identity-wise, and again, it's only six games in the season, identity-wise, it seems to be the same old show in terms yep. of how the offense is being run, the ball movement, or even lack thereof, how the Blazers have run their sort of uh, sets and offense these past few seasons. Uh, and yet, amongst fans, I think there is a justifiable 
uh, excitement about some of the changes and additions that Olshay made in the offseason. So the team is largely the same, right? But two big sort of wing figures kind of coming into the team uh, in Derek Jones Jr. and Covington, who they've shown their length. They've provided their sort of activity on defense uh, with Derek Jones, especially sort of as on the ball defense and and the two of them together with their ability to sort of get, get in the lanes, uh, the passing lanes, that is, uh, and sort of cause some disruption. And of course, Cantor, a familiar face for Blazers, has returned. So the team largely looks kind of similar in how they're playing, I think, but they've gotten longer. Uh, they've added better defensive players, even though I don't think the team defense is I was going to ask, are they better on defense? <laughs> just yet. But on paper, they've sort of improved. But the team largely looks similar, similar in terms of identity. Yeah, I worry that the upgrades on defense are going to... At least, I mean, I'm not worried that maybe I have, I guess I have some faith when I really think about it of them being an improved defense by the end of the year, but um, we have not seen them yet. Like really, I mean, they've had one good defensive game against the Lakers. They played pretty good defense, I think for sure. Um, Other than that, you know, the opening night against the Jazz was a nightmare. The beatdown against the Clippers didn't look good. Mm-hmm. And tonight, they just could not stop the Warriors. Couldn't I mean, those was one of the best players in the league, but that's kind of, um, that's the challenge of being an NBA team. You got to beat the good teams also. So um, I, I, I think the swing sort of in between wins and losses make this team kind of hard to read. I, I think they're better, but I'm, um, I, the jury's still out. I mean, they're three and three, and they kind of feel like a three and three team so far. Yeah, I I do believe that the team defense will improve. And look, this offseason was strange for everybody, was shortened for everyone, uh, not to mention the sort of uh, COVID protocols, which are changing how teams can can practice at all. Right. Um, and especially we're practicing during the, the so-called preseason, whatever you want to make of, of what that actually was. Uh, so I expect the team defense to improve, but it's a nice you know reminder maybe that that team defense is is sort of a team effort and it requires chemistry and understanding in addition to a system and so just plugging some sort of plus defenders into the side isn't necessarily going to sort of help out in the long run so that there's lots of time basically even in a shortened season 72 game season lots of time for hopefully some of these guys to get on the same page because i yep. think a lot of the rotations are kind of slow covering for each other and even just some confusion sometimes um, when maybe certain guys are coming out or not coming out on screens. So there's room to improve. And and I think it will, uh, even with the lack of of practice. Yeah, they're not going to practice a lot of Do I even work on that in practice? Well, they're not going to practice this year. So no, they're not working on anything. They're just watching. They watch film together. I think that's about it. Um, Are you worried about Yusuf Nurkic? Not especially. He... He's out of shape. That's pretty, pretty obvious. And there, there's maybe reasons behind that. It doesn't really matter what the reasons are. The fact is that he's he's out of shape and he's kind of lumbering around. Um, it, it, it's early, not again and just in this season, but kind of in his last few years return to basketball. Um, so I don't want to say say anything too conclusively about his skill set or his abilities, but I do have a worry, not much about fitness, which is a sort of a red flag in a way, but can be improved, of course, just with playing more. But sure. but maybe some of his limitations as a player, and he's still really young, so it's always strange to say about a young player. Um, but 
it's increasingly looking like maybe that stretch when we first trade for him, when the Blazers first traded from a year ago, a few years collective ago. Collective pronouns, y'all. That was a collective it, pronoun for those of you who listen. Charles just hit us with a collective pronoun. That go ahead, go ahead. Stretch when, when Nurkic shows up, you know, after sort of his disgruntled sort of tenure in Denver is the best that he was, the best that he is. And maybe some of that was motivation. I, I'm not so sure, but I, I do I'm, think I'm a teeny bit worried. Yeah, I think he does need the juice. I think he misses the juice. Lamar Heard mentioned this on the broadcast, and it was something I hadn't really considered, is that uh, Nurk might be a guy who misses the fans. You know, he misses the beef. He misses opposing fans, people talking shit. He misses um, the fans hyping him up. Like, he just, he maybe he needs a little external juice to get himself going, um, but that's not coming. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, that's uh, th- that's like maybe an interesting explanation, but not a solvable problem. Uh, at least here in Oregon for a few more months. So I, I thought that I, I'm not worried about him yet either, but he looks bad and it and it is a cascading issue because when he's bad, then you can only rely on Cantor. And while Cantor does a lot of nice things on offense, he is not a good defensive player. And then mm-hmm. you play a ton of minutes with Cantor trying to guard pick and rolls and uh, that's tough. <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's yeah. not a great thing. Um, and I think Cantor is a really good backup, but he's just, he's not a capable enough defender to be a starting center. Um, this might've been this week might've been the first time where all the people yelling for Harry Giles, I thought to myself, Hey, maybe it is time to give old Harry a Harry a chance. Yeah. He, he's on the bench. Right. And, um, and with Zach Collins's kind of absence, which we're going to touch on later and we can get yeah. more into that in a bit in another segment. Uh, he, he may have an opportunity with Nurkic, maybe not, not fulfilling the role like he should. And like you stated, Cantor's obvious defensive deficiencies. And 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 yet Cantor's almost, he's almost making Nurkic look, look kind of quick. I, I mean, there. I think Cantor has been the best center over the last two games, even against the Lakers. Nurk was awesome in the final three minutes of that win, but Cantor was the better center up until that point. Um, Nurk just came back on and had big moments. So um I don't think it's a good sign, and I mean this with a great deal of respect, but I don't think it's a good sign for a high-level playoff team if Ennis Cantor is your best center. I just I, I just don't think you can – I yeah, don't know how far you can go. Um, on, a, on a more positive note, you know who's balling? Christian James McCollum. He <laughs> looks really good in a way that I don't think he's ever looked. Um, Jason Quick of The Athletic wrote about it – I, uh, Saturday, maybe a story. I don't know how days work anymore, y'all. But he published a story Saturday about um, CJ, and and was basically, you know, CJ decided I'm really good. I've made a ton of money. I need to like my. I just have to take steps forward, um, sort of outside the obvious. Like I I can coast at this level and be incredibly successful, but I have bigger goals for myself, which I thought was pretty interesting. But the way that has manifested is he's taken way more three pointers and he's passing the ball a lot more mm-hmm. and. He's been really good. I've been, I've been, I have really enjoyed CJ McCollum through games, through games one through six. Yeah, he's been excellent, absolutely excellent. Taking care of the ball as well. Uh, very, very low sort of turnovers. Yeah, I believe he's leading the league in well. assist to turnover ratio. Yeah, shooting super well. Whereas I believe it was last season he had started the season really kind of slowly Ice shooting cold, yeah. the ball and scoring. He looks phenomenal. Looks to be in great, great shape, great form. Um, not a long off season, like I mentioned earlier, but he looks like he's stayed in shape and, and ready to go. And maybe he's that just back, right? Yeah, continued his season, but he looks excellent. And Dame is always going to get his, but he's not been as effective. 
So yeah. CJ really, really stepped up. And with the playmaking, absolutely critical because the additions yeah. the Blazers made to their squad were not additional playmaking um, sort of moves. So that CJ can improve that, which is something I've personally wanted to see from him for years. It's just um, passed the ball. Really, on. really hyped on, on CJ this year. Yeah. So um, some numbers to back up what you've been saying. Uh, he's averaging, he came into to the Sunday game averaging 5.8 assists per game. He he had five more dimes and just one turnover against uh, Golden State. The Blazers offense was fine. That was not the reason that they lost. Um, and, and he also came in and here's the big one for me is that he's kind of cut down on the the long two diet. Um, he still takes mid range pull-ups, but he has, he's kind of converted his longest two pointers into three pointers prior to the season. His three point rate was about 34%. So about a third of his shots came from three this season. It's all, it's up above 50%. Uh, it, he didn't hit that number this year, this, this night, this evening, but uh, up above fifty percent on on his field goal attempts. That's so. In addition to in addition to he's shooting, um, you know, he's shooting at a high, shooting more than half his attempts are coming from three. But he's also mm. came into the night shooting for, over forty five percent from three. Only two of eight against uh, against Golden State. He didn't shoot it very well. But I mean, if he's if his percentage hovers around forty percent, like he's probably over. He's probably not going to shoot forty six percent from the year. Um, but if his if his percentage hovers up around there, and he's taking, um, he was taking over. He's taking over eleven threes a game coming into this one, and that's a big one. He his career best three point attempts was seven point four last year. He's up over eleven. He stated his goal is to shoot north of ten. So uh, for me, that's a big growth for CJ because his game is kind of polished and it kind of is what it is. So it's those minor adjustments like take 24 footers, not 21 and a half footers mm -hmm. that will push him to that next level. And he's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The efficiency is there. It really makes sense. A natural kind of extension of his game is, is just kind of more his game, right. By just shooting more and more threes and 10, 10, 11 a game. That's a crazy number when you shoot with his efficiency, it's not, it's a completely logical and expected number. Yeah. Listen, we're going to look back in three years and be like, I can't believe he only took 11 threes a game. <laughs> uh, um, Things are changing. Yeah, they certainly are. Let's let's take a quick break and come back and talk about Zach Collins. Uh, there was some big Zach Collins news this week. Uh, it's much larger than just him being gone for most of the regular season. There's This has an impact that ripples beyond that. So we'll talk about that in the second segment. But before I get there, I want to tell my listeners about bet online the nba season is in full swing so if you want to play some pets there's only one place that has you covered in one place we trust that's betonline.ag so make sure you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for 50 percent off your welcome bonus look nfl playoffs start next week college football national championship coming next week the nba season like i said full freaking swing there's games every night of the week so don't sit on the sidelines, get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So we're still chatting here with my friend Chuck, Charles Tuggle, noted Blazer fan and pod podcast veteran of yesteryear. Charles, we talked about sort of what to make of the Blazers. Um, they, I, not time to hit the panic button yet, but they don't look, they're not sharp. Um, they're, they're kind of inconsistent, the mark of a team that's right around 500 and that's where they were, where they are now. 
Um, I think both of us think they have a lot of room to get better and some sort of obvious spaces to get better. But I want to zoom out a little bit and talk about some news. Zach Collins, her, Zach Collins headed for surgery. He had surgery last week. In fact, December 30th, he had a second surgery on his left ankle. He's out indefinitely. Sounds like he could conceivably come back at the playoffs, but let's not even worry about his return. What do you do with Zach Collins? Like what, as a, as a fan, I'm asking you a Blazer fan, not um, sort of an analytical mind. What do you, what do you want to see from Zach Collins' the future? Is he, is he on the team? Is he off the team? What, what do you make of it? It's very frustrating with bigs especially i think you commonly look at kind of three year sort of development arcs of adjustment not from sort of beginning of a player to to the sort of end of a player sort of development but hey they need to get up to speed uh, a little slower uh, it seems maybe that's changing i still kind of play by that sort of rule a little bit and so it's frustrating that zach's career's development arc has just been hampered really so you don't want to commit to certain maybe contractual issues with a player like that having not seen them and yet it's hard to say that you can make conclusions about his career and even it's even difficult to say with his young career to make conclusions about his injury sort of proneness is right. it even fair to say that he's he's racked up a few in a row here but you know we had shoulder that took him out of his second year development yep ankle gets hurt right in the bubble or right before the bubble uh, and then this looks to be another setback with the same ankle so the ankle is maybe problematic but it's just hard to say because we didn't get to see the level of improvement that we wanted him to make we expected him to make so it's just kind of an unknown. I don't know what we do with him. I still want to believe in him as a player. And yet before this sort of ankle injury, this second injury here, I was thinking that this is a year where I really needed to see some things from Zach Collins to convince me that he's a player that's that's worth keeping around, not building around, but worth keeping around and committing right. to. And those things were sort of finishing around the rim, consistent three-point shot, and cutting back on his sort of fouls basically yep. as a defender and and I we just can't see it I just don't know yeah you and that's the thing I think the unknown is the problem so would you you probably wouldn't want to sign him to a four-year contract but would you would you um would you sign him to a two-year deal and say you know whatever two for two for 17 and see what he gets you and hopefully that he outperforms that deal like how would you approach it or do you or would you just say didn't work out with Zach let's move on like what what's your gut right now I mean, if I'm the GM, I, I probably try to get a very reasonable short-term contract, maybe add incentives for sort of team team option, right? Yep, to yep, say yep. we can come back around and uh, and if it's really not working out and we, and we showed some more faith in this guy, uh, we know maybe, you know, his attitude behind the scenes, his work ethic when, when things aren't going wrong with the injuries um, and something that's friendlier to the team. Um, of course, if you're Zach Collins and his agent, you're looking for something more secure and yet maybe also know that that you're not about to get that. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of cut him loose just yet. I also wouldn't commit long term or big money. Yeah. Blazers have a track record of keeping guys of his yeah. ilk. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. Uh, I want to read you two players, two different players. Here's player A. After the end of the four year rookie deal. 
averages of 5.8 points, 4.1 rebounds on 49% shooting, including 39% from the three-point line. Average less than half a block and less than half a steal. Player B averaged 5.7 points, 4.0 rebounds, shot 44% from the floor and 32% from three, average less than half a steal and nearly one whole block. Charles, player A, it's Myers Leonard. Mm-hmm. Player B, Zach Collins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the comparisons... Uh... It's too obvious, uh, especially compared with their uh, the visage of their skin as well. Yeah, uh, well, okay. And that they were number 10 overall picks or whatever. I think they oh, were wow. around 11. Now that's uh, any similar. Yeah, like uh, athletic, rangy, big big white dudes who, um, who didn't play a lot of college basketball. Uh, you'll remember Myers broke out in the 2015 playoffs against Memphis, and then he came back in that big contract year, and he was kind of, he wasn't nearly as good, and then he got hurt in March of 2016. And so he didn't play after like the first week of March heading into a contract year. Um, He ended up with four for 40. Um, (laughs) That deal didn't look great for the Blazers. Myers Leonard continues to make $10 million a year and be a contributor on a good basketball team. Although he's been picking up a handful of DMPs with the heat, despite starting most of last season. Um, I, I only point this out as to say that it is... Neil, it wouldn't be out of Neil's sort of past actions. And I don't know if past actions always are an indicator of prior um, or of future uh, results or whatever, but uh, it wouldn't be totally out of the realm of possibility that, that my, or that Zach Collins signs a multi-year big, big contract. Um, the big difference in those two, when you're reading the numbers is that in in four seasons, Myers Leonard played 225 games and in four seasons, Zach Collins is going to play 154 games. So availability is often the best ability, but, um, I just bring those two up because if you're saying Zach Collins hasn't done shit and he's, and he's bad, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, the team committed to another guy that they were kind of all in on who had a really similar track record, albeit less, less injuries. Although, you know, same idea, surgery heading into a contract year. It's, um, mm. there are a lot of, there are a lot of similarities. Uh, I think Zach looks like a better basketball player when he plays, but his production level is worse is how I would yeah. characterize it. Yeah. The comparisons, the comparisons a bit jarring, really. My, my sort of, to break the comparison some, my reading of each of those players Zach is a much more fluid athlete uh, and has a way better feel for the game. And yet, totally. like you said, productivity, very similar. Yeah. Um, Myers is a better shooter and shooting is a really valuable skill. Yep. Availability, huge issue as well. Yep. Um, to to sort of continue with the, the comparison, if I would be very, very wary of giving Zach Collins four-year $40 million. I would not recommend Larry, I wouldn't do it at all. <laughs> who, who do you think can drink more Coors Lights? I'm going with Myers on that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, Zach is a Vegas kid, but I'm, I'm still going Myers too. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is big 10 versus uh well, Jesuit university, which is not <laughs> to say that they're not drinking beers at, at no. university, yeah. but uh, Myers is a big 10 boy. Yeah, it's the, that's your part of the that's your neck of the woods, man. He's from Southern Illinois, just like you. So, uh, I mean, you're from Southern Indiana, but that's a, it, it's very very close. Same, same, very very similar. All yeah, right, that's, let's 
that's troubling the that whole issue i wish yeah. we could move past it i wish he was healthy and yet still there's there's a log jam kind of with the team the team is deep right yeah i mean it's there's no guarantee he would play but i think in a night like tonight it would have been a night where you just like nurk doesn't have it let's go canter and zach the whole second half um just better defender better like he's an okay passer like he just he he has a lot of the skills you want um like i said i'm i'm finally on the hey maybe try harry giles <laughs> i finally i finally made it to the hey might maybe try harry giles in line we'll see yeah all right, let's come back in the third segment, close out the show. I want to talk a little bit about Nazir Little. Um, we've There's some news on him, and we'll just uh, – some more stray thoughts in the Blazers' season to close out the show. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. If you are a new listener to the show, welcome. Let me tell you that Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. If you are a longtime listener to the show, you already know that Built Bar is the best-tasting best protein bar ever. Ain't nothing changed. Built Bar comes in 18 amazing flavors like mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie, carrot cake. All of those bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They got that candy bar-like texture. And they're wonderful for the health conscious among us. A great option because they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high in fiber. Take, for instance, coconut almond. That's 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and just 5 net carbs. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Tastes like a delicious bar. Go get yourself some of these. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. I'm still listening to Locked on Blazers. Still chatting here with my friend Chuck, Charles Tuggle, Blazer fan and podcast podcast guest veteran he's been chatting with me in real life and also on in recorded media for many many years charles talked about the blazers three and three star we talked about zach collins and sort of the unknown facing him but there's some other news with other young blazers nazir little is he was actually in a uniform tonight i think is a very big step forward but he has had quite a unfortunate run of of health issues and the latest is that he contracted COVID-19, tested positive on December, 20, December 2nd, and spent about three weeks very sick, lost 20 pounds prior to Christmas from, from that first week of December. Uh, he, is, he is inching his way back. And I don't think we need to debate on NBA's COVID protocols or anything like that. To me, to me, the, the most interesting thing is that he has to make a difficult decision. He got a concussion in the bubble, and he felt like he rushed himself back. This is according to reporting from my friend and yours, Jason Quick of The Athletic. He felt like he rushed himself back. He fainted while he was coming back from that um, concussion, and it caused him, you know, it was a pretty scary moment. It sounds like kind of just blacked out on the court. Caused him to miss all of the games in the bubble. And now he has to make that tough decision. Um, where... When, as a fan, how do you weigh wanting a guy to see a guy get on the court and knowing that he has sort of um, a, a scary sort of mental hurdle to get over? Like, how do you approach that from a fan point of view? Always with, always with player health in mind, honestly, always. And to shift the conversation from COVID protocol to concussion protocol, it sounds like maybe Nasir didn't make a decision, but the Blazers sort of have have 
Uh, I don't want to sort of imply negligence, but if Nasir felt like that he was sort of rushed back, then then he did rush back, and there should be proper sort of catch-all protocols for for head injury stuff um, to to prevent that from happening. Yeah, yeah, it, it's worrisome. Um, not to mention sort of confidence issues, and just like our our last segment sort of touched on sort of development issues with injuries for young players, but serious serious health issues of which. COVID especially, we simply don't know enough about sort of long-term sort of fallout sort of side effects, benefits right. on respiratory health, uh, especially uh, and in uh, a sport where you run up and down the court and, and move real fast and jump real high. That's a big deal. So, so yeah, Nasir Little, I, I hope he has sort of the confidence whenever his sort of health comes back, but as a fan, patiently, patiently waiting for, for players to get back to health. Uh, I want to see the team win every game, but not at the cost of anyone's health, even for these well-paid sort of young, yeah. young men. It's, it's, that's not a smart way to think about it, nor a healthy way to think about it. Yeah, he's, I don't, I'm not sure Nazir Little like, gets himself into the rotation this year. Um, but you would, you want him back because you want him, it's, it, it would be nice to have him get some minutes it would be nice to have him just be able to work out before games just to be part of the part of an NBA team in a normal way i think is important for your development as a as a young player even if you're not getting a ton of nba minutes the blazers have a pretty good track record of of holding guys out for two full seasons i know nas was a contributor last year but he wasn't a big time contributor and he might have played real minutes in the bubble shout out to winyan gabriel but uh he you know, he wasn't available then. It's been a long time since he's played basketball. It's been, I don't know if he played in the Blazers last game, but at least since March 10th of 2019, that's a long way away from the game. So you, you just want him back because he just to get sort of in the mental and physical reps of what it's like to be an NBA player, even if he's not on the court each night. Um, I don't know how I would suggest... Like, I just don't think we know enough about how a return from a serious bout with COVID works to say, like, if he crosses these three hurdles and feels good, like, um, you know, he was listed on the injury report as questionable, which means if you want to take it very literally that he had a 50-50 chance of playing tonight. Um, he told Jason Quick that it was he was weeks away. So, he, you know, he's either end of January or like Tuesday against the Bulls. So I just I just don't know. I don't even know how to, like, I'm having trouble wrapping my head how to, how to think about it. Do I think about it as a long-term injury to be patient with? Or do I think about this as like, this is a mental hurdle for him. And if the team clears him, then, he, you know, he has to make that decision. I, I, I've had trouble squaring it, even as I prepared to chat with you on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, another note sort of as a fan that can be frustrating in these situations, and, and here this isn't sort of COVID specific, but um, the privacy and sort of... Um, of players sort of health issues but also how teams can keep these issues sort of close to the chest and yeah they didn't put them on the injury report basically until it was reported so i agree yeah, with that's you. prerogative you know and, and and player privacy individual privacy is something I, that i respect and take seriously and yet i can recall during the bubble when he was not ready to play missing out on games and sort of listed as sort of dehydration, dehydrated. I remember seeing yeah. you know, sort of jokes and, and, and kind of memes about it. Yeah, um, get and this guy some Gatorade. From a place of sort of the unknown where the fans like, 
what does this guy need an IV or something? What does he need a sip of water? Because yeah. we don't maybe have the whole full issue of, okay, he had a concussion issue in practice. Then he had another little fainting thing, which was a residual effect of the concussion. You know, fans just don't know that at the time. And heck, I guess didn't know that until months later. Uh, so that can be frustrating as a fan is just really what's going on with the guy and yeah. the COVID stuff even more so what's going on with him. And it sounds like from the reporting that, that was a pretty serious bout of COVID and maybe yep. even one of the more serious bouts we've seen from an NBA player. Right. Right. Uh, Mo, Mo, Bamba, Mo Bamba missed a lot of, you know, four or five months with oh. complications of it. Um, but I don't know how his symptoms were. I just know that the aftermath for him, the magic center that he basically just wasn't, he got it in April and he wasn't able to play in the bubble and he was still limited in October as they were coming back. So like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if he had as, as bad symptoms at a time, but certainly the aftermath with the cardiovascular stuff, um, scary for him. But uh, I do think to to your point about privacy, uh, and I'm I, hopefully Jason will get mad at me for sharing this, but I know that he had been working on trying to talk to Nas for a couple weeks, and basically Nas was like, "I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't like. I I'm not ready to." No, thanks. I don't want to do an interview. I don't want to do a story. And so I think he had to get to a place where he was like, I should make this public for, you know, for, for a variety of reasons. And maybe just his comfort level of sharing his story when he felt like he was maybe through, through the scariest part of it and able to do it in a reflective way, as opposed to sort of like midstream and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm still very scared about what's happening with my future. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a weird balance, right? Like even as a reporter, it's a weird balance to say, you know, to email the Blazers PR staff 10 times and say, let me talk to Nas. Let me talk to Nas. Let me talk to Nas. Um, because you mm-hmm. don't, you just don't know. And you want to, you want to be respectful, but you also want to be a good reporter. So, um, it's a, it's an interesting line to, uh, to navigate. Are there be, outside of the Nas stuff? Are there any other guys, um, that have, you know, you said the team feels kind of the same. Are there any other guys you're excited about? Have you been excited about? I want to close the show on a positive note, Charles. Yeah, you know, of of the the familiar cast of characters, uh, Anthony Simons, I think, looks looks pretty strong. 100% and a player looks that way I've better. Not shared some of the same sort of hopes as some of the other players, um, but but maybe I'm being proved wrong, which I love in situations like this. I think he looks strong. He looks to have sort of you've got um, a kind of a secret Anthony hater. Like in, the, I'm just revealing your text messages here, but you're a low key yeah, Anthony okay. doubter. You're a low-key Anthony Dower. So he- uh, there was lots of sort of noise coming out from the team and the organization about his potential. Uh, yeah. And I wasn't always seeing it. Um, and he wasn't always sort of getting consistent minutes. Um, but it seems like he's earned that trust. And I think he's looked really strong, um, especially in some of the point guard kind of duties. And he's hit a handful of sort of spot-up threes, which obviously he needs to be able to do. So, yeah, really positive on Anthony Sinems. Of the new guys, very – very high on Derek Jones Jr. Actually, are you okay? Uh, All right on. Yeah, I I think the worry about him maybe is that perhaps he's exceeding some of his sort of boundaries in a way. Sometimes I don't know if I really trust him as a shooter, as a ball handler, but his activity is so high, so sort of frequent, especially defensively. And the guy is such a freak athlete. Yeah, that he's he does crazy stuff. He's one of these players that just one or two plays a game, he's just going to do something that's just incredible, an incredible block, an incredible rebound, an incredible dunk or putback. You're just going to be like, whoa, 
like thinks kid's crazy. So I'm high on him. I'm liking him uh, a lot. What do you think about, um, what have you thought about Cove, Robert Covington, the other, you touched on it early in the show, but what do you think about him? Um, I've liked Covington in the league. I think he's helped every team he's on. I think, I, I, I don't know if how he personally feels. If I was him, maybe I'd be a bit frustrated with some of the offense. Um, things don't really come his way. Um, he's not the gunner type anyways, right? He, he can sort of has shown that he can sort of mold to a team, you know, did it in Minnesota, did it in Philly, did it in Houston. Um, I feel like we can see more of him. What that means, I, I'm not so sure because he's not the guy that always goes out and gets his own bucket, but. Yeah, and he plays um, with Dame and CJ and Nurk. Like he's just there. Yeah, you are in the Mo Harkless Memorial running track thing where you just <laughs> run up and down the court. Yeah, up with scraps a little bit and I think he may have a bit more to offer offensively whether that's you know you mentioned Mo Harkless but he liked to sort of camp out around the baseline sometimes with little cuts and sort of little yep. back doors I'm not really seeing him get involved with sort of action like that and that maybe could be a way to sort of bring him in a little bit I mean, he's a big guy you know and moves well and skills totally. I would like to see a little bit more from him but I don't I'm not basically holding that against Covington as a player or his performance thus far more so how fitting in with the team yeah that's kind of you for not um holding it against him yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, i don't think he's being a bum out there you know yeah, I just, yeah. they, they they i think the offense needs to make some some spaces for him not isos or anything he's right. not that player but and then like you say maybe maybe putting him in bench sort of situations yeah not- i, I- the court with the starters we'll see i think at some point terry has to break up the rotation just to try something totally new um just to see if like if the defense is bad it doesn't matter if you play the two good defenders together or not right like you just um Mm -hmm. and if the if you're closing games tonight they close they closed they played the crunch time minutes not the final final minutes but sort of like the comeback minutes with dame cj Ant, Mello, and Iskander. That's one of the worst defensive teams that you could field in in the NBA. That is so like, it's okay to, if that's how they have to be in normal times, it's okay to kind of mess around and put out a worse defensive group at times. It's okay. You're going to end yeah. up there anyways. Um, mixing up the rotations could prove very fruitful to see sort of what 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 coach has a little bit and, and yeah. he's known to do things like that. So that'll be exciting to see also. Yeah, so Blazers are three and three, six games in. The season, the the schedule softens up at least theoretically a little bit. They got the Bulls and Timberwolves this week, followed by the Kings on Saturday, all winnable games. Monday mm. against the scuffling Toronto Raptors of next week, and then Kings and Pacers. Pacers are pretty good, but that's probably the best mm-hmm. team record wise. They play for a little bit. Um, they've got basically up until February, like all of January is is home games against teams that aren't looking super good, this is the time. I think this is, um, I know it's early or whatever, but if you're going to make your move, you need to do it now because this is the softest part of the schedule over the next three and a half weeks. Yep. They're, they're right in the thick of the pack right now in the West where no one's really elevated themselves and you can right. expect teams Lakers to do that eventually. But, you know, Phoenix has started out well, but a lot of sort of middling results, basically. Totally. So you're absolutely right. What, yeah. what are on paper, some winnable games. Not easy. I don't think there are easy games out there, but winnable games. No, Blazers games. aren't good enough to call games wins. Like, they're just, yeah, totally. we've seen them. Like, they're capable of beating the good teams. They're capable of losing to to anyone. So, um, but definitely a, a meaty part of the schedule that that 
that looks like it could be some W's. We'll have to get you. Uh, we'll have to get you back on here. If the Blazers go on a hot streak, Charles will get you on here to gloat about how you were right all the time and to officially apologize to Anthony Simons. Oh yeah, formal apology. I'll put it in writing and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Sign it in blood. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's worried about you. He's he's like, there's there's this guy who lives in Montana who's been who's been ragging on me via text message. I just Every know. Every player, player needs haters, man. That's true. Every player needs a few haters. So I'll be that for him. Honestly, thank you for that service. And thank you for joining us on the podcast, Charles. It's always a treat um, to, you know, me and you chat about the NBA all the time, but it's a treat to turn this into some forward-facing NBA talk for the world to hear. Um, our thousands and thousands, millions of listeners to Locked on Blazers. Um, just kidding, y'all. Hopefully millions one day. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. But, 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 but more Locked On, good Locked On Blazers coming this week. We got Mailbag Monday coming up. So if you have questions, send them to me at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or email the show, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Charles is, is the first of a couple interviews we got this week. Dave DeFore of The Athletic is going to be on the show Tuesday evening. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it where they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.